0: United Soccer Coaches is proud to present the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer broadcaster Dean Linke. That's right, the NSCAA is now United Soccer Coaches. We aren't changing who we are, just what you call us. We unite coaches at every level of the game around the passion of the game. Now, here's our host, Dean Linky.
1: I am Dean Linke and welcome to another edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Student athletes, including soccer players, need specialized care when being treated for an injury. Injuries to children and adolescents can be very different from those experienced by adults. That's why the team at the Sports Medicine Center at Children's Mercy in Kansas City and other branches as part of the Children's Mercy system are uniquely trained to care for the needs of teen and adolescent athletes. Children's Mercy is also the official health care and sports medicine provider for Sporting Kansas City Academy and the amazing brand new National Training and Developmental Center in Kansas City, Kansas. I offer that information about Children's Mercy and the Children's Mercy sports medicine program as a way to set the foundation for a very important discussion. Student-athlete depression and even suicide is prevalent. And this program is designed to give insights to what young athletes go through when faced with severe injuries that keep them from their sport and other issues, and how Children's Mercy Sports Medicine is trying to identify those athletes at risk. Digging deeper into this topic, I can tell you that research from the NCAA has shown that suicide represents the fourth leading cause of death among student athletes, and those who have suffered a sports injury may be at an even greater risk said Dr. Greg Canty, the medical director for the Sports Medicine Center and also the assistant professor of pediatric orthopedic surgery at the University of Missouri-Kansas City School of Medicine, quote, sports are such a big part of these student-athletes' lives that they can become isolated and depressed when they are removed from their peers while recovering from an injury, end quote. Now, recognizing this growing trend and aware of efforts to identify children at risk for suicide in other children's mercy clinics, Dr. Kevin Latz, the chief of the section of sports medicine and also an assistant professor of pediatric orthopedic surgery at the University of Missouri-Kansas City School of Medicine, approached Dr. Shayla Sullivan, the child and adolescent psychiatrist and assistant professor of pediatrics at the University of Missouri-Kansas City, About implementing a suicide screening program for sports medicine patients, Dr. Sullivan's expertise is in suicide prevention, and Dr. Sullivan is a featured speaker today on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Now, after being approached, immediately Dr. Sullivan and her team began working with the Center for Sports Medicine team. Implementing screening at the program's Kansas location, this started in 2015. So when a patient aged 12 and older visits one of these clinics, they are greeted by an athletic trainer or nurse who takes them to a private room where they ask them four yes-no questions using the Ask Suicide Screening Questions, the ASQ tool. The survey can be completed in about one minute by a trained staff member, and one of those staff members, Angie Vanderpool, who is a nurse practitioner, is part of the Children's Mercy Sports Medicine program, and she is also on. As is Jason Yoder, the operations manager at the Children's Mercy Sports Medicine Center, Village West. Now, since beginning the suicide screening in sports medicine, approximately 2.7% of the clinic's patients have demonstrated an elevated risk for suicide based on their responses. And the project has now expanded to all of the sports medicine clinics throughout the children's mercy it's a tough topic for sure coach but it's one we have to keep an eye on as we keep our student athletes and our children safe we'll share their intel the tipping points on why they decided to make this happen and how in fact it can make a difference if it saves one it's made a difference, right? And we hope that it continues to save even more. Our discussion about suicide prevention among athletes and how coaches can also make an impact by looking for telltale signs and also in their leadership perspective. Before we start, a couple thank yous at the start of the show as opposed to the end of the show. And those thank yous go to Janet Redding. She is the Senior Manager of Sports Marketing for Children's Mercy. And Ashley Goodrich, the Fantastic Partnership Manager for the United Soccer coaches. I thank both of those women for bringing this topic to the podcast. And speaking of the podcast, it begins after this message from our presenting sponsor, TeamSnap.
0: Managing your club or league shouldn't feel like a second job. With Team Snap, it doesn't have to. They help customers save their time and sanity on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to TeamSnap.com united.
1: Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. Big topic today, and obviously you've got to have someone to support this topic and certainly getting it done, as I told you in the open, was the Children's Mercy Sports Medicine Center. And to kick things off, we're so pleased to be joined by Jason Yoder, who's actually the operations manager at the Sports Medicine Center Village West. Remember I told you about that incredible facility for Sporting KC and U.S. Soccer. Mr. Yoder leads it off. Thanks for being with us, Jason. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, so set the table and tell everybody just how impressive Children's Mercy Sports Medicine Center is and particularly how much you enjoy your role with it.
2: Yeah, so we're uh, very blessed. A relatively young program compared to some others around the country that deal with the sports medicine world. We now have five locations around the Kansas City area. And as you stated, our most recent was the biggest kind of our Taj Mahal if you will 27,000 square foot sports medicine center in conjunction with US Soccer as well as Sporting KC so it's just an incredible opportunity for us to continue to do what we do for these amateur athletes
1: well obviously holistically you know the topic today and it's one that's you know obviously very important and it's also understandably a little bit dark but you know from out on the field to off the field all issues, physical and mental health, are important to what you guys do there.
2: hundred percent, yeah. I think that's certainly uh, an area we provide expertise. Obviously, these kids deal with a lot uh, this day and age, whether it's uh, pressure at school, parents, peers, some of the sports specialization, there's just a lot they deal with. And so whether they're visibly, outwardly healthy in appearance, they may be dealing with some behind-the-scenes issues and or whenever they do have an injury and they're taken out of their particular sport um, and go through some types of withdrawal and don't have that activity or that sport they're used to doing. That's kind of their uh, go-to to help them manage uh, their day-to-day life that can really put uh, added challenges in to their world, which is tough as it is being a teenager today, regardless of some of those other things they deal with.
1: With that, you think about your role at the Children's Mercy Sports Medicine Center and certainly sports medicine, it means a whole lot more than just making sure your knee's okay.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's funny. Our team here, great team of surgeons, um, non-operative sports physicians, um, as well as our physical therapists and athletic trainers. And some days, the easiest part of our job is getting their knee better. Um, There's so many other things involved. We get to spend a lot of time with them multiple times a week, up to 45 minutes to an hour. And you really get to know these kids and these families, and you really get a a small glimpse into what they're dealing with outside of their particular injury we may be seeing them for, um, as well as their sports and activities that they're participating in.
1: We're getting ready to hear from Dr. Sullivan, and we're also getting ready to hear from one of the nurse practitioners, which has to play an important role in the screening to identify perhaps student-athletes that are at risk. It's got to make you feel pretty good, again, along those lines, knowing that that collaboration is there.
2: Yeah, I agree. Again, uh, it's just nice to have that backing. I think all of us on our team have areas that we're considered more experts in, In um, these two ladies and what they've done for our program, Um, has really upped our game and given us a resource for these kids and athletes and these families. And I think all of us have had to deal with some personal connections to some of the, uh, as you stated earlier, some of the darker side of the sports and some of the teenage challenges that are out there these days. And so uh, it's just a great resource, and we're very, very blessed and had great feedback with what they've done for us in our program.
1: Before we turn it over to those two guests, if people want to learn more about the Children's Mercy Sports Medicine Center, perhaps even the great facility that you are at, how can they do that?
2: Yeah, so we're uh, very active on social media. We have a Facebook page as well as Twitter at CM
1: Sports Med.
2: two great resources. We have our physicians provide some insight and resources through uh, social media, and then we also have our direct phone line, 816 701 always available for very rapid action, and obviously through the Children's Mercy website, www.childrensmercy.org. Backslash sports medicine. We've got a great resource on our webpage with additional information for our families and our athletes.
1: Kicking off our show, Jason Yoder, the operations manager at the Children's Mercy Sports Medicine Center at Village West. Thanks for being a part of the program and thanks for kicking us off. You got it. Thank you very much for having me. We bring you Dr. Shayla Sullivan and nurse practitioner Angie Vanderpool after this message. Hi, folks. This is Dean Linky, host of the United Soccer Coaches podcast with an important message for each and every one of you. If you are interested in gaining an advantage through a world of coaching resources, now is the time. United Soccer Coaches is offering a limited time promotion for $10 off your membership for our listeners. Visit unitedsoccercoaches.org and use promo code UNITED now through May 30th. Sign up today. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. I want to thank Jason Yoder from the Children's Mercy Sports Medicine Center. And as mentioned before, we are so pleased to be joined by Dr. Shayla Sullivan. Remember, she is an expert in suicide prevention. And she's been involved with the Children's Mercy Hospital since graduating with her medical degree from the University of Kansas back in 2010. And she received her undergrad from Creighton University in Omaha. She joins me now as well as a nurse practitioner with the Children's Mercy Sports Medicine Center, Angie Vanderpool. We'll start with you, Dr. Sullivan. Tell me why you knew Children's Mercy Sports Medicine was going to be perfect after you got your MD from Kansas.
3: Sure, so
4: I, when I graduated, I knew that I wanted to be part of the best medical institution that I could be. And of course I wanted to be in my hometown close to family. And I really like the idea of working at an academic institution where we can participate in research. So not only are we providing top-level clinical care for our patients, but we're also studying and learning from our patients as we go and so we can set the bar higher and we can develop a higher standard of the care that we provide. And, and learn from, from our experiences with them. So, And I knew some docs at Children's Mercy. I knew um, of the reputation and the quality care here so I was really lucky that I graduated at a good time where they were looking for a psychiatrist and, and came on board. With the sports medicine program they really came to me. So I have a general clinic and I specialize in a couple different things, eating disorders and they really came to me when they noticed a need in their division. They had lost two patients to suicide, and this is a very, very psychologically minded and thoughtful group of people who knew that there is a strong mind-body connection, and I think they felt extremely motivated to do more for their patients. So, of course, they provide top-of-the-line care for all of the physical injuries that bring patients to them, but I think they thought, you know, we've got to do more. We need to address these mental health needs that our patients are also experiencing. And so that's when they started to implement the suicide screening program that we now have for all of our sports medicine patients at Children's Mercy.
1: So great to have you with us, Dr. Shayla Sullivan, and also here with us is Angie Vanderpool, a nurse practitioner with the Children's Mercy Sports Medicine Center and playing such a key role. Angie, also please tell us about yourself.
3: I was born and raised here in the Kansas City area. I went to school at William Jewell College for my nursing degree 30-some years ago, and I've been working at Children's Mercy ever since. About 10 years ago, I went back and got my master's degree and became a nurse practitioner through the University of Missouri, but continued to work here at Children's Mercy in Kansas City in the orthopedic section. I've been in orthopedics for over 25 years now, and my role changed from a clinic manager and a clinic nurse to a nurse practitioner. And then about Seven years ago, I became the nurse practitioner in the sports medicine section at Children's Mercy and have helped to grow that area since that time.
1: Thank you, Angie, and thank you again, Dr. Sullivan. Dr. Sullivan, before we get into this screening, identifying athletes that might be at risk for suicide, when did you know, what was your tipping point that made you say, you know, I want to be in this field? I want to be a child and adolescent psychiatrist.
4: That's interesting. I had to think pretty far back to actually think about that tipping point. I think, you know, my mother is a psychiatric nurse. And so back in the days before HIPAA, I, I would go to work with my mom sometimes at the local mental health center. And I was allowed to sit in on, on some of the patient care with the patient's permission, of course. And and I just loved what I saw. I loved that process of recovery and seeing someone go from a, a point of feeling really desperate and struggling to recovery and, and feeling whole again, and, and so when I watched those psychiatrists do their work, I thought, gosh, I really want to be part of that. So that was probably the first thing for me you know, very early on, but then I had other times when I worked in residential treatment where I worked with young people who had been living on the streets who had been through some really traumatizing experiences and I saw the amount of change that could happen when they were involved in getting appropriate care, and um, yeah, it just kept going. Every experience I had confirmed that this was the kind
3: of work I wanted to do, really.
1: And same question for you, Angie.
3: I've always wanted to work with kids in the medical community. This is kind of the only game in town, or it was 30-some years ago. And I think it still is. It has always offered a unique perspective. The fact that Children's Mercy is open to anybody of any payer source, any background. They're here strictly for the kids. And that has always been a huge draw to me. And they have a wonderful perspective of service to their community, and that's a huge draw for most of us that work here. Is the ability to help kids and identify where we can do better in helping a very at-risk population.
1: More with Dr. Shayla Sullivan and Angie Vanderpool after this message. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by TeamSnap. Last segment, we got to know Dr. Shayla Sullivan a little bit better, as well as Angie Vanderpool. This segment, we'll spend the entire time with Dr. Sullivan. The following segment, we will spend more time with Angie Vanderpool. Starting with you, Dr. Sullivan. Let's dig in here and find out a little bit more about how Children's Mercy Sports Medicine and Adolescent Psychiatry teamed up to develop a suicide screening protocol specific to adolescent athletes. Tell us how that was developed and how it's progressed.
4: Sure. So we had been working on implementing suicide screening at certain pilot sites at our hospital when the sports medicine team lost two patients to suicide. And when that happened, um, their director, Dr. Kevin Lass, and Angie Vanderpool, one of their advanced practice nurses came to me and said, we want to do better for our patients. Can you help us work on this issue? And they were very open to it. There are a lot of changes that have to happen in a sports medicine clinic to address the problem of suicide, and, and they just made them happen. So um, they, they did education. We provided education for all of their staff. Their nurses and their trainers learned how to ask the questions and And then they also learned how to connect with the social work team because we know that the clinic needs to move on, but when we identify someone at risk, it's really worth taking that extra time to have a more thorough assessment and to link them with the appropriate resources. So one of the things that's really nice about this is that we're intervening early. We're catching people often before they get to that desperate point, and then they're able to go home. They don't have to be hospitalized. Most of the time, they're able to go home and see a counselor and get the help they need in advance of a major crisis.
1: When you think about uh, some of the key points and keeping an eye on student-athlete depression and the potential for suicide, let's go through some of those. Let's start with one that's prevalent, and I think one that's related to those stories that uh, you just mentioned, and that is the struggles athletes go through when faced with severe injuries that keep them from their sport.
4: One of the things we know is that participating in sport can be very protective and very healthy of course right it improves fitness and self-image and it can help people build social skills but oftentimes for athletes becoming an athlete is a huge part of your identity and so when you are sidelined and not able to participate often that can can be pretty life-changing and sometimes feels shattering for young people and it can be very isolating as well and so when you're not getting the physical exercise for one thing which we know has powerful benefits for people and their overall health but also you don't have that social interaction, you don't have that boost in your confidence, that can be really tough. And I think in our culture, there is quite a push for people to power through difficult times. And that can be beneficial at times. That can really help athletes at times, you know, reach their full capabilities. But we also need people to understand when they have to stop and ask for help.
1: What are some other issues that affect an athlete that make them depressed and think about suicide?
4: There are many different conditions and different paths that can lead to suicide. I think depression and and physical injuries is certainly one. Uh, We know anxiety, untreated anxiety can be a huge problem, and we know that performance anxiety can be big. Uh, We have quite a bit of pressure, I think, on many young people these days, and it seems that the pressures are mounting often at an earlier age, and so kids are feeling the pressure to perform, to either get on a specific team or to earn scholarship money. And so those times can be tough too because often young people can be somewhat black and white in their thinking. And when they have a disappointment, they may struggle to remember that things will get better. This is for today and tomorrow is a new day. And sometimes they can be impulsive and take action that you know, we really wish they would write it out and talk to an adult so they could get some support with it.
1: Why do you think you specifically started with the student athlete population? Are there more incidents of suicide with kids who play sports?
4: I don't think we know that. I I don't think the literature is clear on that. That's something that we're actually trying to look at. What I think happened was we had some really motivated individuals here, some doctors and nurses who said, we want to address this problem. And I think the challenge perhaps in our society is that the thoughts of suicide or the conditions that lead to suicide don't discriminate and you do find them in all populations. Um, I don't think there's a population that's really exempt. They were just early adopters because they have a strong empathy for their patients and they wanted to do better. I I think it's really hard to lose a patient to suicide and I think some people really struggle to talk about it or even acknowledge that it's happened and I think they've done the opposite. I think they've said, this is a problem and we are going to face it head on and do something about it.
1: And how do the screenings work, Dr. Sullivan and are parents involved?
4: So the way parents are involved is we want parents to know what's going on, of course. And so we developed a pamphlet that helps educate parents about um, the prevalence of suicide in our community, the reason why we're doing suicide screening, the research that has told us that it is safe to ask these questions, and the fact that we feel like this is a problem that the whole community can respond to together. Um, We do not ask the questions of the patient in front of their parent, if possible, because we know that most teenagers are more honest with us or upfront when their parent is not sitting next to them. Now, I think that can be confusing for some parents, because we also are not going to keep any secrets about serious information that we learn from the screenings from the parent or the guardian. We're always going to share that information with the parent. Um, but we find that often kids are just more straightforward with us when we talk to them alone. So. We um, pull them back in the clinic and ask them the questions, and then if there are concerns, we talk to the parents about it, and we get the social worker to do a more thorough evaluation. Um, I think there was some fear that parents would not like this or that they might be uncomfortable with it, and of course, there's always going to be the occasional person that is not happy. But for the most part, we've had a very positive response that the community knows this is a problem and they really appreciate that we're taking action and doing something about it.
1: How do you know the screenings are working?
4: Well, we are always identifying people at risk through the questions. And, and that's a great question. I've had people say to me, well, has it been proven that screening saves lives? Well, suicide is a very complicated issue to address, and there are a lot of different factors that play a role. What I think we can say very confidently is that we've identified people at risk, because they've said to us, yes, I've had these thoughts that I wish I was dead," or yes, I've tried to kill myself. And those are big risk factors. And so when we're able to identify those folks and link them to services... That, that's really huge. The other piece of this is that we provide education for the parents. So one of the most evidence-based or the strongest ways to prevent suicide is to limit access to the methods that are used in suicide. So limiting access to large supplies of medication, limiting access to firearms, things like that. We provide that education that very same day for the parents. So they feel like they can go home and do something immediately to make their home safer. Um, We also hand out free gun locks um, through our security at Children's Mercy because we know that when you give someone a tool to actually take action, they're much more likely to do it.
1: How can a coach identify if a young athlete does need help?
4: So I think one of the really important things for coaches is to understand that they have a special role and a special relationship in that athlete's life. And sometimes kids are going to talk to their coach about something they wouldn't talk to a parent about. Uh, many of my patients tell me that they're hesitant to talk to their parents when they're struggling. And that, there are a lot of different reasons for that, but it's extremely common. But often they'll, they'll, they will name another adult in their lives who they're comfortable with. And I think a coach is often that person. So I think for the coach to have the confidence and know, hey, I might be the person that this athlete would confide in, and to not hesitate to ask and to acknowledge what they're noticing. So if you're noticing that someone doesn't appear as happy as usual, if they seem more withdrawn, if they're missing more practices, if they seem more irritated or angry, any kind of major changes from normal functioning, I think it's important to recognize and inquire about. And I think it's also important to note that it's safe to ask, are you having thoughts of wanting to end your life? That's okay to ask. Research tells us that it doesn't increase the thoughts for the individual person that you're asking. It increases the chance that they're going to talk to you and accept
1: help. Dr. Sullivan, you've already talked about the virtues and values of sport. Obviously, we know because of the fact that we're doing this suicide screening that there's a lot of pressures on these young athletes. What are things that in sport or with coaches that you've got to keep an eye on that might lead students to feel this way where it's really not the fault at all of the young athlete but more the factors of how coaches talk to athletes and how the pressure of sports is so big.
4: Yeah I I think coaches play such an important role and I think if there can be a focus on effort and on learning from our experiences as opposed to the outcome I think that's really huge and that's not just something for coaches that's for teachers and parents when they're looking at grades whenever we can focus on learning from our mistakes and the process and the effort that our athletes are putting forth as opposed to you know did we win that tournament or not I think that that's really huge I think it's difficult but I think that's really important because athletes are really going to take that lead from the coach Another really big thing I think is for coaches to acknowledge from the beginning that it takes a strong person to ask for help. And I think if, if coaches could make that really clear, then I think students would be much more open to acknowledging it because I think there's a real fear of being perceived as weak.
1: And where should a coach turn if they need additional information, Dr. Sullivan?
4: It's ideal that coaches would have access to some type of mental health professional, either a social worker if they're, you know, linked to a school, or um, psychologist. I know sports psychologists are becoming increasingly popular. If they don't have that access, I think most of our patients had a full physical exam, right? It's pre-participation sports physical. And so they should be linked to some physician in the community. And I think that those docs as well can help people access resources. Um, The other thing I think is to not be afraid to talk to parents. I think sometimes there's a hesitation to overstep or maybe to not want to be perceived as getting into someone's business, but... I always encourage people to think about the potential outcome of either decision. So if you, if you call a parent and you express concerns about an athlete, they, they might get annoyed at you or they may not welcome the phone call or they may really appreciate it. It, it could make a huge difference. And, and I think it's really important to look at both of those options.
1: So give me that bright light, Dr. Sullivan. Give me a great story of how this screening is working and helping young people
4: the wonderful aspects of my role is that I get to see people over the long term. And so I follow patients in my clinic for years. And I have now been in practice long enough that I've sent multiple patients off to college. And that, for me, is, is just really exciting and fun. I, I have one of my patients is a very strong athlete, and she participated in Junior Olympics, and she just was one of those people that's so bright and so strong, and you expect to do well. But she had her own struggles, and and she definitely had a time where she had thoughts of not wanting to be alive. And seeing her recover, you know, and work through therapy and improve her relationships with her parents through family therapy and seeing her go off to college on scholarship, and it was really exciting and fun. And I got a note in the mail the other day, and it was just so fun to hear from them and to know that things are going well.
0: Still managing your club or league on paper and spreadsheets? Go paperless with Team Snap. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Plus, they have way fewer paper cuts. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to teamsnap.com united.
1: Once again... Here's Dean Linky. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast. As we told you earlier, research from the NCAA has shown that suicide represents the fourth leading cause of death among student-athletes. Those who have suffered a sports injury may be at an even greater risk. I want to thank all the great folks at the Children's Mercy Sports Medicine Center in Kansas for the great work they're doing to try to prevent suicide and recognize those athletes that are, in fact, at greater risk. Jason Yoder kicking off the show, talking more big picture about the qualities of the Children's Mercy Sports Medicine Center, including that great facility that now houses Sporting KC and a big operation within U.S. soccer. I want to thank Dr. Shayla Sullivan, who is leading the charge as well on this important issue. And you also heard earlier from Angie Vanderpool, a nurse practitioner really at the front line of asking the questions to these young athletes about how they in fact are feeling and dealing with very tough issues indeed including injuries and really just the you know being a teenager right it's never easy as we can all remember going to spend more time now again with Miss Vanderpool and Angie we heard Dr Sullivan talk a little bit about you know why this was started or in fact even picked up even more and I know for you it it hits home Talk about uh, why this drives you every day.
3: We had been working with a young lady for two years for um, a chronic health problem that was limiting her sports play. She was a very active, aggressive soccer player. She was very good and had great potential and a lot of goals that were based around that. When she wasn't able to play for prolonged periods throughout those two years, she became very depressed. Um, We had talked with her about depression. We had talked with her about getting counseling. Um, There were times where she was struggling with eating. We talked with about nutrition. She was working back to play and we thought she was doing better. And then out of the blue, I got a call from her mom and found out that she had committed suicide over the weekend. After talking with the family, we decided we had to do more because this was not, even though we had tried to address these issues, it wasn't enough and we wanted to do something more.
1: And in your research then, After this happened, you discovered there was another similar situation, correct?
3: Correct. I get notifications when different patients pass away, and a name came across my computer that I recognized, and when I looked into it, I found out she had also committed suicide. And it was about the same weekend, but I didn't know about that one for another couple of weeks. It just added fuel to the fire that this is something we need to become more more enlightened on and learn more about, and more importantly, we need to really be reaching out and watching our patients because our patient athletes are such a um, driven bunch. You know, they need to have good grades. They need to excel at their sport. They want to excel at their sport, and yet when you take that away from them, it really um, – jeopardizes their self-image. And I don't know that as an adult, we always appreciate how important that is to a teenager.
1: Okay. So then with that, the effort to collaborate between sports medicine and adolescent psychiatry, you guys teamed up to develop this very impressive suicide screening protocol specific to adolescent athletes. Can you talk about that process? And then as much as you can dig pretty deep into what takes place as part of that screening?
3: We began the screening and we asked to roll it out. So we rolled it out with all of our sports medicine patients at every clinic visit they are asked the four suicide screening questions. It's not in front of their parents. We ask the parents to step away and privately with the kids so that they'll give us a more honest answer, hopefully. If they answer positive to certain pieces of it, then we'll have a social worker involved that will help address whether something needs to be done imminently or whether we can just help get them into counseling and address it down the road. We started off with the Columbia screening tool with a focus on adolescence and kind of some of the responses we were getting back. Dr. Sullivan felt it would be good to be part of a larger multi-center study that looked at the ASQ and so we participated in that study and then we transferred over to using that as our screening tool and we've been doing that for over two and a half years now
1: three years. Tell us those four questions can you break those down for us?
3: So the first question is in the past few weeks have you wished you were dead? In the past few weeks have you felt that you or your family would be better off if you were dead? In the past few weeks have you been having thoughts about killing yourself and have you ever tried to kill yourself and if so And depending on the answers to those questions depends on who we get involved and how quickly things move.
1: Boy, just hearing those questions, they're very direct, right? There's no wiggle room around them. How do the young athletes respond to those questions? Uh, Do they feel intimidated at all?
3: I think it surprises them the first time. Once they start coming, they're used to them. Sometimes the families aren't comfortable with them being asked anything without them being present. That was an adjustment for all of us to begin with, is how to pull the... Child away from the parent and be able to ask those without anybody being offended. And some families just refuse. We've had several families where there's a history and the child has a history of suicidal ideation that they don't want those questions asked. We respect that, but we feel that it's best. And I think as the kids get used to being asked the questions, they're a little bit more open. And it's started a lot of conversations with the families. I know several families have said that on the way home, when they ask the child, Well, what What were you being asked? And then the child starts giving that information. It triggers conversations, you know, well, no, but a friend of mine at school has done this or has talked about this. And you know, it initiates that conversation on some stuff that's really uncomfortable when you just hear about it or think about answering those questions.
1: So Angie Vanderpool, how do you know the screenings are working since you're right there in the middle of trying to save people?
3: Well, we have people answer positive. And to me, anytime we have a positive screen, that's one person that we're helping. And we've had kids that are negative and don't have a positive answer and then do have a positive answer six months down the road or a year down the road. And that's what we want to be able to prevent. At least these kids know that there's someone they can tell it to if they have a concern. And the hope is they'll feel comfortable enough with their parents that they can pass that on or at least call us something to reach out a counselor in their school
1: because this show is for coaches the United soccer coaches you know nearly 30,000 members and coaches boy they play such a role and sometimes it's extremely positive most times it's positive sometimes we all know it isn't necessarily as positive as it needs to be what can coaches do to help from your point of view I
3: think watching and listening to their players The players have a really special bond with their coach and they really trust them. So sometimes you'll notice, you might notice a change in play or just a change in the way they're interacting with their teammates, just asking if everything's okay. If there's a problem, you can always talk to the parent or ask the student to go with you to talk to the parent, find out what's going on.
1: Is there anything a coach can do to identify if a kid needs help? I mean, that's a similar question, but maybe there's some more specifics.
3: I don't know if there's a specific question the coach can ask other than how they're doing, is everything okay, Mm -hmm. and is there something you can do to help? Sometimes it's just listening, but if there's a student or a player that's anxious and struggling and they share that with them, then that's a good person to help them go find a resource, go to the school counselor, go to a parent, go to someone that the kid can trust as well, to get help.
1: Where should a coach turn if they need additional information? and It's
3: going to be different all across the country. There are suicide people that have suicide thoughts and concerns. There are suicide hotlines all over. And those are a good thing to have on hand for one in your community. But there's also, if it's through a school, there's school counselors that would be able to have those resources on hand. And sometimes if you notice a student, whether they're suicidal or not, but you notice that they're changing their play behavior or they're changing in their attitude and their interactions with their peers, sometimes just going to a counselor and helping identify a child that's struggling with a period of depression or self-doubt or overstressed and getting them into some counseling would be helpful and prevent reaching the extent of suicidal thoughts.
1: So your commitment is clear. We're also hearing from Dr. Sullivan. Her commitment is clear as well. Going back to that collaboration, seeing her firsthand and what they're doing there, how has that been going?
3: It's been amazing. Coming from an orthopedic specialty, that is not, mental health has never been our strong suit or something that we've really focused on, but we're really trying as a Sports Medicine Center at Children's Mercy addressing all of the needs of adolescent athletes because they have so many more different perspectives and different needs than what an adult athlete has. These are kids that have their whole lives ahead of them and they a lot of times spend it in sports from the time they're four or five, six years old all the way through their high school and college career. That's their identity and we did not really appreciate how important it was until we became much more involved in the Sports Medicine Center and how many other things can impact that. Um, And we try to offer things that reach all components of a child, their nutrition, making sure they get enough sleep, making sure that their practices are reasonable for what their bodies can handle. And then mental health became a more and more big piece. And this collaboration has been huge because Dr. Sullivan and her crew has really educated us as to what an issue and a problem it is.
1: Give me a good story, somebody that uh, you saved without saying names. I mean, you've certainly been a part of, uh, I gotta believe some great stories, right, coming out of this?
3: One of the kids was picked up in a screening a few weeks ago, it wasn't in our clinic, but in one of the other sports medicine doctor's clinic, and he was very concerned and started answering yes to the screening tools. He already had a plan and a method of carrying it out, and it would have been within a few days. But because of our screening, he talked with a counselor that day here, and then he was transferred to an inpatient facility, and he's doing better, and he's home. So that's one child that this program has saved.
1: That is worth so much right there. What a great way to end our conversation. Thank you so much for all you're doing, and thanks for letting the United Soccer Coaches shine a light down on this all-important topic as we try to make sure that uh, our young athletes are doing okay, right? That's our goal. Indeed. Thank you to all of our guests Jason Yolder, Dr. Shayla Sullivan, Angie Vanderpool. I want to thank Janet Redding again for the Children's Mercy Sports Medicine Program, Ashley Goodrich, and all the good folks at United Soccer Coaches. I'm reminding everybody if they want to learn more about Children's Mercy Sports Medicine, including this all important issue, go to www.children'smercy.org. Hi, folks. This is Dean Linky, host of the United Soccer Coaches podcast with an important message for each and every one of you. If you are interested in gaining an advantage through a world of coaching resources, now is the time. United Soccer Coaches is offering a limited time promotion for $10 off your membership for our listeners. Visit unitedsoccercoaches.org and use promo code UNITED now through May 30th. Sign up today.